Welcome to the RAB Poetry Podcast, where we bring you the stories behind the words, where every poem has a story behind it. Our podcast is a journey through the hearts and minds of poets as we delve into the inspirations, struggles, and triumphs that fuel their work. In each episode, we'll feature a poem, sharing the underlying stories and reciting the most powerful and moving pieces. From various poems on wide variety of topics and rising poets and authors, our podcast is the perfect companion for anyone who loves poetry and the power of words. Whether you're a seasoned poetry enthusiast or just getting started, you'll find something to love on the RAB Poetry Podcast. So tune in and let the stories of our poets take you on a journey of inspiration and emotion. Listen to the REB Poetry Podcast, available on all major platforms now. Welcome to Fandom Power. Hey, what's up, guys? It's uh, Wes, Hank, and Andy, and we are back again. want to welcome everybody to our next review series. This one's going to be a little bit different because, uh, as we've mentioned before in the show, there are so many properties out there right now that we would love to cover, but because of the overlap, it just becomes this monumental task when everybody else has, you know, life. <laughs> true story. So, welcome to So What?, the fandom power answer to the question, what if? And of course, we are going to be taking a look at uh, the new Marvel Studios What If series currently streaming on Disney+. Plus. So how this is going to work is uh, right now, episode four? Episode four has uh, come, out, come out this week. So right. the, the series is going to run uh, over nine episodes. And what we're going to do is we're going to do three episodes of our show to cover three episodes of What If. So today... We're going to cover the first uh, three. So um, what if Captain Carter were the first Avenger, followed by uh, what if T'Challa became Star-Lord, and then finally we'll wrap it up with uh, what if the world lost its mightiest heroes. It's a bit of a round robin today. I'm going to go first this week as I have the the honor and privilege of setting up the uh, (laughs) how this is going to work. So kind of like last week when we talked about Loki, I guess the uh, we need to kind of talk about where does what if come from? So it's an anthology series. And uh, in the grand scheme of things in the comic book world, it's actually kind of young. So 1977 was a busy year because not only did we get uh, Star Wars, but uh, we also got the very first issue of What If, and that was What If Spider-Man had joined the Fantastic Four. Have you Fantastic. guys have you guys read it? Not recently. Uh, yeah, <laughs> not. I mean, yeah, absolutely not recently. Um, no, you you know you know my collection was vast when I was a child. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I I actually. I, it, a lot of people own things. I read every single comic I ever owned. I, I do have to uh, brag about that. So, yeah, I, I remember this one fondly. And I have to admit, I also um, dug all of them out of digital uh, vaults yeah, yeah, to yeah. reread a lot of it, especially some of the stuff that's uh, occurring right now. So the the basic premise of our show ba- uh, kind of follows the basic premise of the comic book where we have this character, uh, the Watcher, who essentially is watching 
multiple realities at the same time with the the rule that he cannot interfere he can only observe and and uh, recount the story so the basic premise here is that spider-man uh in the regular marvel continuity at one time uh, attempted to join the fantastic four and they rejected him so the what if story posits that they accept him as a member and that creates some issues uh between the richards particular between uh reed and sue I guess she's Sue Storm at that point. She's not, they're not yeah. married. Right. And then, of course, uh, if you guys remember, there was a, a character, an arc with the Fantastic Four when they introduced Namor. And there was, a, you know, there was some romantic uh, trimmings there. Anyway, they, yeah. they, they turn it on its ear and Sue actually falls for Namor and she goes off and, and becomes, uh, she goes off to Atlantis with him. Hmm. Yeah. So anyway, that uh, essentially, <laughs> that's the big change in the story. And that's kind of parallels what our series or what the Disney plus series is going to do with the exception that the Disney plus series is going to, what if uh, riff on the films on the, uh, the current MCU offerings. Right. So I can't, I can't sort of, I can't talk about what if without giving a shout out to my favorite, uh, what if uh, uh, comic book of all time. This is way back from volume two. I can't tell you uh, what year it was, but it, what if the alien costume had possessed Spider-Man? It's a fantastic story. Totally recommend that you go and read it. Yeah, it's real good. So, like I said, it's a young, relatively young series. Between all of the the standalone issues and the anthologies, there are, now this ma- the math I have here. It could be it could be off, but yesterday when I was putting my notes together, I came up with a total of two hundred sixteen episodes and technically the series is still going sometimes the what if moniker is dropped and they they run them like kind of like the you guys are familiar with the dc else worlds tales mm-hmm. they run them like that or for a brief there was a brief moment mm-hmm. in time where marvel ran them as what they called alternity marvel alternity which was sure. just a rebranding of what if but it's it's the same book sort um, of Things like uh, the whole Age of Apocalypse storyline in the X-Men. Yeah, big time. Was big time. a big what if. Yeah. It was like yeah, the yeah. whole thing was a big what if. Yeah. That kind of brings us to where we are now, and we kind of get a look at, uh, you know, here's some of the marketing material that we got for the show. And, uh, man, you know, if this was a comic book, there's your splash page, right? And we can see a lot of stuff going on there. Obviously, we see Peggy. We can see what we thought was an early Iron Man, which we're going to talk about a little bit. Uh, later as we go on and a whole bunch of other things and, and oh, yeah. twists on characters that it's like, wait, these are familiar, but there's something going on here. Mm-hmm. All right. So as you said, it's going to be a nine episode series and it is officially part of phase four of the MCU. So our series, I want to talk about sort of the, the series, the, uh, the, the people behind the scenes. And so our, our director for the entire series is a gentleman by the name of Brian Andrews. And so if you're not familiar with Brian, and this is really cool, I, this happens a lot, especially in, in Disney. And we've seen it particularly with a lot of the Star Wars animation is that, so Brian was a storyboard artist. And he's been with the company for a long time because he's worked on uh, Iron Man 2. Avengers, Iron Man 3, Thor The Dark World, Avengers Age of Ultron, Guardians Volume 2, Infinity War, Ant-Man, Captain Marvel, and Endgame. So it's kind of cool mm-hmm. that they're giving a storyboard artist 
somebody who's very, you know, used to working in the, that, that medium. Making it which way to go. Yeah. And now here you go. You get to direct Home the team whole too. thing. He was, he was also a storyboard artist on Clone Wars. The Tartakovsky so. one. Yeah. 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 So yeah home, that's right. Home team. Yeah. A little bit of Samurai Jack, which is also a absolutely. Tartakovsky project. Yeah, absolutely. Wicked. And so then we have our, our head writer who happens to be the, uh, the writer for the, the Captain Carter episode. It's a profession. She's professionally known as uh, AC Bradley. So it's Ashley Bradley. Mm-hmm. And uh, now I didn't really know this cause I've not watched her work, but she's best known for her work on troll hunters, tales of Arcadia uh, the Netflix series for which she happened to win a daytime Emmy for outstanding writing. There you go. So that is your head writer for the series. So she's got her hand in, in uh, I guess all of the episodes, but particularly she did write episode one, which is what we're going to get into here now. So each, um, each episode opens with this narration and the narration comes from this character. We mentioned him before the watcher. So here's a shot of the watcher. And I, I went for the classic look. There was a ton of artwork that I could have <laughs> chosen from, but yeah. I wanted to get that like super classic look. This is kind of the Jack Kirby. Yeah, exactly. The Kirby esque. There he is. No, not the eternity looking. Guy well, that we funny that you say that because now fast forward to this year, we get the series out and we get this awesome narration. But what we get is. A shot of this <laughs> and i know andy we were talking before and that's exactly what you said you're like why yeah. does he look like eternity yeah and if you don't yeah. know the character eternity for all the mcu folks out there and there's a shot of eternity so which uh, is basically god <laughs> of the marvel universe. yeah 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 so now yeah, we're, yeah, we're getting yeah. into like celestial territory here which is like yeah. uh well we're what? taking a big huge leap into the like the larger bigger plane of the whole thing yeah it's really good. I don't. They don't actually name this specific watcher watcher no. yet. They they, no. they haven't. Now looking at some of the uh, like the sizzle stuff that's been released. There's a short. It's a teaser, uh, but it looks like he's going to make an appearance in Flesh and Blood in a future episode. Don't yeah. know what the context is, but uh, there's a it's a it's sort of blink and you'll miss it moment where he's there. So I'm very curious to see how that's going to work out. What I really like about this is the characterization of the character, the that opening narration, and it's uh, it's veteran actor of the uh, stage and screen, uh, Jeffrey Wright. And if you're not familiar with Jeffrey Wright, so I actually, as I'm doing my research, it's like, oh yeah, Jeffrey Wright. He's one of those guys where you know you you hear the voice and you're like, I know that guy, but you can't you can't tell me who he is. You you just don't remember his name, and then you see him and you go, that's him. So anyway, there's uh, Jeffrey Wright. And, of course, the man has, like, uh, over 70 screen credits. But uh, more recently, for, for those of us who are, like, steeped in the fantasy sci-fi genre, you might recognize him as uh, BT from The Hunger Games. And if you're, a, if you're a 007 fan, you'll know him as the current incarnation uh, of Bond's uh, CIA counterpart, uh, Felix Leiter. So Jeffrey Wright gives this this awesome narration. So it could just be because of the comics they've killed off Watu. Yes, in, I in the yeah. Marvel comics, so they could just be going with any random Watcher. But well, so, mm. and here's the thing: we've seen Watchers in the MCU already. We have. They've cameoed yeah. at the end of uh, yeah, yeah. Guardians Hang, Two, hanging out with Stan. Yes, right. right. So 
know, Uatu is very specific to the Fantastic Four as well, so it's possible they'll keep him the name drop in pocket there. Yeah, I would think so, based on the idea that, or predicated on the on the notion that Uatu, the classic character that we all know, was based on the moon. And so that says to me that he is con- continually watching Earth. Yeah. You know? He was specifically the guardian of, of, of 616 Earth. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. chose yeah. to warn Reed Richards that Galactus was sending his herald through this galaxy. Right, and uh, that, that's, was, that's that was the, his, that his was interference. The, that's the big no-no for right, watchers is right. to interfere. Well, we get to our first episode, and as I said, uh, he gets into his uh, narration. And I got to say, like right from the get-go, I want to talk about, we talked about this in our other series, in the Loki series, and uh, certainly in our Star Wars series, how, you know, all things being intentional in the MCU, where it comes to character introductions, who's introduced at what point, when are the, when are these things being released? It's no, to my way of thinking, it's no coincidence that this show was held until we got what we got from WandaVision and from Loki. Right. And I say that because... Right off the beginning of the episode, in the opening credits, during the narration, we get um, we get a line from the Watcher, and he refers to time as being more than a linear path, that it is a prism. And as soon as he says the words prism, you actually see this multifaceted, gem-looking crystal structure, and you get the sound of, like, breaking glass, and as it, sm- as it smashes and scatters... All of these like faces and things kind of tumble out into the universe, and to to me, you know, there's there's our first real piece of symbolism to let us to remind us that the MCU as we knew it is broken, right? So now we can go mm-hmm. anywhere and do anything, and so yeah, very intentional that we drop what if now and in the particular visual style that we're getting, one hundred percent. And from from what I'm seeing from a lot of the trailers and the sort of the. Uh, the leaks and other things from the from the film properties that are coming up. Yeah. The the idea that uh, some of these movies might even be what ifs because the like the yeah. universe has been shattered and there are there are connotations that will of that that spread through uh, all the new phase 4 movies. Well, I so I had a little thought here um, last night, yesterday. Yesterday I was sitting here writing my notes and I'm like particularly cuz I doing the Captain Carter episode, I kind of sat down and I went like, "Oh, I wonder if that's the Peggy Carter that was getting escorted through the TVA. Maybe. <laughs> you know, she didn't look like she was jacked up or anything, but really, no. there's Haley Atwell going by. Is that is that our Captain Carter? <laughs> Who knows? But certainly, I mean, we know going into what Spider-Man's coming out next and then Doctor Strange. Uh, oh, Eternals. No, Eternals. Eternals is coming next. It'll yeah. be interesting to see if, if the Eternals, if there's some uh, fallout if we see some of the pieces landing in the Eternals because of that, again, there's that uh, galactic connection. I don't want to spoil anything having just seen uh, Shang-Chi, but, you know, there's some, there's some implications that, you know, the Marvel Universe got a whole lot bigger just because of the the locations that we get to visit in that. And, and it's very suggestive that it's, you know, either intra or extra dimensional places that we get to visit. Super cool. So this whole multiverse thing, the, the Marvel's really leaning into it. So I'm, I'm curious to see what, what will show up in Eternals. But I, I can't help but think we will see elements of, of the fallout of, of the What If series going forward into Spider-Man and, and, of course, Doctor Strange. All right. So I just want to, like, 
man, I really, really struggled with this yesterday because as I rewatched the episodes, I realized how much the Peggy Carter episode really is my favorite episode so far. And initially I was like, you know, this is just a role reversal thing, really. Like Peggy's now Steve, so she takes the Steve role and she does everything that Steve does, which is true. By the same token, the episode diverts enough that it is its own story that runs on its own merits, and really, this entire episode is one ginormous Easter egg. There is so much stuff in there that I probably could have screen-capped the entire episode, and we could have... I said to Andy yesterday, I said, you know, we really could have done uh, one of our Star Wars-style breakdowns on this episode. There is so much going on that makes it its own story that I feel like it's not like we're doing it a disservice, but it's like we we could have done that style of episode and it would have been no, absolutely. completely compelling. But So what I'm going to do is I'm going to run through the episode and I'm going to hit on some of the, the, the major, the role reversal stuff. And as we go through it, I'm going to just sort of throw my thoughts in on top of it, sort of the, what I liked, what I didn't like. And believe me, there's not a lot of I didn't like because I like the whole yeah. thing. <laughs> and there's a couple things I pulled out that I thought were pretty symbolic, which I think are, are cool that we're going to we're gonna have a talk a little talk about. What did you guys think of the, I guess before we get going, what did you guys think of the, the, Peggy, the Peggy Carter episode? I quite enjoyed uh, it. Yeah. I, yeah. I really enjoyed it. On paper, it was the one that I was least excited about. Right. And I guess when I really, I was... I was hook, line, and sinker when I saw Steve in the armor. Really? I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I was like, wow, I really want to, I want to follow that through line. Right, right, um, right. And knowing that we did, and it ended like pretty much that way. Ostensibly, Steve spent the fifties as Iron Man, maybe in the sixties. You know, I guess like, so. Yeah, yeah. And I really like the idea that that we're switching things up, but you know. We're probably we probably follow it through to a, a very same trajectory as the MCU that we know, like ostensibly. Yeah, yeah. Peggy yeah. Carter is the one in Endgame that goes back and resets all the tests. You know, all the uh, yeah, stones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe and that. that she's on the bench and she passes the mantle to maybe, you know, someone else. Uh, so yeah. all, like, so all that stuff still. It's it's sort of like that episode is almost like course like it's things are going to play out anyway. Yeah. And it's sort of an interesting because what we do get, and I'm not going to get into the other episodes yet, but what we do get is different versions, not only just like, here's a branch, we'll follow this line, but different ways in which they play out. Like one plays out very much the same. One plays out almost parallel. One plays out completely different. Yeah. yeah so yeah. yeah, it's very interesting. I, I, I mean, I, the animation, I can't say enough about how Disney the animation is. And at the same time, like a moving Marvel comic. The animation, I, say I will say about how good it is. I like it too. I mean, as far as like, and this reminds me of some of those first uh, cell shaded, uh, you know, fully rendered video games that we've played, you know, like, like a Robotech battle cry uh, mm-hmm. and other games like that. There's a, there's a transformer game that has a similar animation. So good. Style. Yeah. It's so good too. Yeah. Yeah. In this episode, I found like, like they must be rendering this stuff in 4K right off the hop because it's just so spectacular. Even as I'm doing, and you'll see it when I get to the images, the some of the ones I screen cap where there's there's not a lot of motion blur when you when you freeze frame. Mm. It's no. like holy shit, they really. That's that's actually a difference in 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 animation because you have to animate the motion blur if you want it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, you're gonna find a lot crisper images like frame rates or different cells or individually. Yeah, it's beautiful. So good. And if you, I mean, 
just a step out of line. Like the Doctor Strange, yep. if you just look at a screenshot of him, he looks like a Disney prince. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the, for sure. The, the mashing of the styles is yep. so, I can't go on enough about it. Beautiful. Beautiful. I like that uh, for the most part uh, across all of the episodes so far is that, you know, by and large, just about everyone is instantly recognizable. There's very little like, oh, that doesn't really look like, you know, no. if anything, this episode, I think. And I, I don't even think they used the same actor because the, the Tommy Lee Jones character, whose name escapes me, I don't think was included in this. That he, They, they used the, another military guy, a colonel. Might as well just be Colonel Jerkface because that's who he was in my mind. <laughs> right, right, right. But I didn't recognize him as because I thought, oh, that's the Tommy Lee Jones character. And that's like, no, no, that's a different guy. Like, it's not even, he's not saying any of the same things. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones has a cameo in that episode. They panned by him. Did they? Oh, the, okay. Then oh, 100%. I totally <laughs> didn't even see that. I was, too yeah. I was too busy following what Peggy was doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So the movie, or sorry, the movie, <laughs> it, it is, it's a half hour miniature it is, movie. It is. Yeah. And this one, we talked about it before when it first came out, like for a, what, a 34 minute episode, how much was like jammed in there. And it just, it ran at a near breakneck pace, which was great because you were never waiting for anything to happen. It was just like, oh, no. oh. so the, the watcher says that the first divergence is when Peggy decides that she wants to stay in the room when Steve is supposed to get into the, the, the Vita. The Vitamita Vegemix chamber. The Vitamix chamber. <laughs> yeah. A little Lucille Ball humor for you. Uh, yeah. So, but really the first, the real biggest divergence is uh, when uh, the Hydra agent goes to steal the uh, the super soldier serum and Steve jumps out of the chamber and ends up getting shot. So that kind of puts us in this place where like, oh crap, what are we going to do? And, uh, you know, the general or the colonel's yelling at, uh, you know, Steve to get back in there. Peggy's like, he can't, he's been shot. And so, uh, then he's, the general starts yelling at, you know, Howard, Howard Stark, you get in there. He's like, I, I'm the button guy. I push buttons, which, uh, you know, gets us to this where, uh, we have no choice. This is the only way if we're going to do this now. And, uh, we get that classic, you know, role reversal shot. And a lot of these role reversal shots are cool. Like they really, they really pay off in the familiarity department. But it's like, oh, that's really cool. And uh, I should have gotten the other one when they, when they, when Howard runs over to catch her because she is like ginormously taller than him now. Yeah. So that's, um, yeah. I guess the other, the, the next biggest divergence is that Hydra does not get the Tesseract. In fact, the Americans do. And so that that really diverts us in the sense that, you know, in First Avenger, they had all that time where they developed all the Tesseract-based weaponry. So that makes a huge difference as we go down the episode because they don't have that anymore. <laughs> so it's literally like Hydra is just another branch of the German army who's no better equipped, you know, than they were uh, in our actual, uh, our actual history. I want to talk a bit about uh, sort of the... And this is the thing that I, I thought was interesting was the episode leaned into, and maybe maybe Lauren can appreciate this, how the colonel treated Peggy and talking about women's roles in the military mm -hmm. and how, yeah. you know, they don't, they don't do the front lines and they don't, they don't do combat and they don't do all this stuff. And he's like, you're lucky you're the one, you're lucky you're even in the room. I right. think there's when a line at one that point. On, it's like, that's a stand up and cheer moment. When she Absolutely. Oh, and there's a line that you might break a nail. And I right. thought, you know, how how characteristic of that 
you know, it's the 1940s, you know, and I mean, in, in the 1940s, you know, women were, were highly characterized as pinup girls on calendars, on the nose of bombers and on bombs and stuff. Or stay back sure. and get in the kitchen. Right. Or the other one was all the women that went to work. And so you got, you got uh, Rosie the Riveter yep. and you got that characterization of women, but you know, do your part for the war effort, you know, go to the factory with the understanding right. that as soon as the men come home, you're out. Yeah. Well, yeah. if that doesn't get subverted in this episode too, the whole notion about how women in the 1940s are now, uh, are now, are now looked at. Mm. So then we get like this pretty cool splash page where again, it's a, it, almost think that they went back to that frame of, uh, in the film where they took the, the Steve coming through the door with the howling commandos and just animated over top of it. Yeah. But here I've called it, uh, you know, Captain Carter's Howling Commandos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but seriously, the, this episode is just a super giant Easter egg. I mean, uh, oh, going back to the Tesseract thing, with the Americans now having the Tesseract, we get uh, we get this guy. We get uh, what comes to be known as the Hydra Stomper, which, you know, interestingly enough, it's familiar in that it looks like Tony's Mark I suit. Mm-hmm. Only better. <laughs> and it's clearly powered by the Tesseract, right? I got a couple yeah. shots of that because I think it's super cool. There you go. Taking out a tank with it. But then to get to sort of this, like, the best part. I don't know if it's the best part. We get to the, the, the middle act of the episode where Peggy almost, almost single-handedly pretty much thrashes the German army to get to the Red Skull. And it's got this, like, this old timey swing music playing, and it's almost like a like a Second World War newsreel, like da -da 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 -da. and she there's this montage of her just cleaning house, and uh, it's it gets punctuated with this sort of like there's your classic, you know, uh, it could be a 1940s uh, war poster, right? Yeah. But you get this again, this montage, and this is where I said like I could have screen capped the whole thing. It was just so incredibly stunning like visually stunning but you get this moment here where like and i said this before but this version of the super soldier is doing stuff that steve rogers never would try like the the scene where i don't even know what the building is she's on top of the building and she nails the guy with the shield from like hundreds of meters away right and it still comes back to her it's like <clears throat> lauren and i had this discussion like she's already a trained she's a she's a british she's super a spy star. yeah yeah like you know the americans might have this idea of where a woman's role should be but clearly the character even going into the film version of this yeah was a highly trained operative yeah, I mean, so she was. You give a highly trained as... operative the super serum. She's already going to know how combat works. Like yep, Steve, yep. all the best intentions was still picking up garbage can lids and trying to. That's defend right. Himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's still the guy, and they show that he's still the guy that runs at a guy with a gun. Still, yep, he gets shot. He's still that character. Oh, absolutely, he is. She, you know, whether the the fanboys out there like it or not, she's a more skilled combatant than Steve Rogers was when he first picked up. The oh, shot. I would definitely give that to you in a heartbeat. There's a moment in that montage where talk about reuse of footage where Peggy does this like she's fighting guys on both sides and it it mirrors the uh, civil war fight between uh between Tony, Bucky and Steve. And it's yeah. almost move for move the same fight but she's just like shield here, kick there, flip there, punch there. And then the guy, <laughs> that big German guy is like, "Oh, the Santa Fräulein to uh 
And she's like, mm-hmm. oh, really? <laughs> just yeah, yeah. Two punches. You're out. <laughs> yeah. I think this is one of my absolute favorite moments in the series, or sorry, in the episode is this mid-air uh, in the montage sequence where she's actually uh, riding on the back of of the, the Hydra Stomper armor and then, and then dives through a bomber, cleans the bomber out, bails out the front window, and then you get this shot of her. You know when Steve went out the window in Civil War and he landed on the shield? Like, it's kind of evocative of that, except she's falling forward through a German fighter, <laughs> yeah, yeah, smashes yeah. the propeller, and then snags the handle to, to climb in the, the cockpit. Anyway, this is what I was saying about before, about the motion blur, where even that on a, on a freeze frame, because that it's a very, very fast sequence. Mm. It's so cool. It's like they did not, like the number, traditional cell animation, like it's number of drawings per second that yeah, give you that smoothness. Right. Yeah, I can't imagine what it would have taken to achieve this if it were traditionally animated. Like he, he, he man stuff that we used to watch in the oh 80s, my stuff god, like that yeah, would have been about twenty four frames per second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is probably pushing sixty. I would say so, if not more, to get mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Another big one, big change here. Another divergence or uh, or role reversal. Bucky does not fall in this in this one, although he does yeah. slip on the train and she grabs it's a him. Great line. Dude, the line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You nearly ripped my arm off. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> uh, okay. So we now move into this. This is where this, the, the episode really diverts. And now we get we finally get to Hydra. Now the train is blown up. We and think, we think Steve Bucky, is lost. We lose Steve. Yeah, and everybody thinks that Steve has been lost. So after we we finish cleaning up Hydra, we have that, you know, the argument with the Colonel What's-His-Nuts, you know, he's, you're not cleared for field work. Well, then you better promote me because if we're going to win the war, I need to be out there. And so they go to the Hydra headquarters, and instead of using, now the Red Skull actually does have the Tesseract, but instead of using it to develop weapons, he's actually leaned into the mystical, you know, galactic sort of elements of the stone, and he's going to use it akin to a portal. And if that doesn't look very similar to the, there's a couple, you know, things that are evocative here. The base plate on that looks like the, uh, the, the, I don't even know what you call it. The plinth that they use to open the, the Bifrost where they stick the sword into it. It looks an awful lot like that. And then if you turn, if you turn it up on its side, it looks an awful lot like the portal that they set up in the shield headquarters in the 20, in the the 20th century. Yeah. 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 But as we start to use the Space Stone, as the Red Skull says, to summon their the Hydra champion, and of course, haha, it's a tentacled beast Cthulhu-ish thing, which immediately, you know, grabs the Red Skull and kills him. <laughs> right. Sorry about your luck, buds, but... Uh, so who is death in Endgame in this reality? Yeah, really. But this brings me to my second, and the, the thing with the, the German fighter in this moment that I'm about to show you, these two are, they, they compete for my, my absolute favorite moments of the episode where you get this like, like uber awesomely symbolic uh, image of this. Peggy gets slammed against the wall by the, the tentacled creature, and as she's pinned to the wall, she looks over and there's a pair of swords crossed on the wall, like Deco style. She grabs mm. one slices the the tentacle and she lands like that and in that moment I'm like if that's not the most Arthurian thing I've ever seen 
And Heavy, so yeah. I've, I've basically labeled this picture, uh, Peggy Carter, defender of the realm, because that's exactly what she is. And that, that kind of brings me to the one, I don't want to call it a misstep, but I'm going to call it a missed opportunity that she wasn't Captain Britain. Yeah. You'll recall the original Captain Britain had the sigil. Yeah. She wielded a lot like a mace or a sword. Yeah. You know, because the world is so politically charged now. Yeah. yeah. I think making, making, you know, she still got the Union Jack on the shield and, yeah. and uh, you know, on she, the, you still the, know that. the costume. Yeah. But I think maybe giving her the, uh, like, the idea that she's, a, the, the her allegiance is, is more broad, just Captain Carter instead. No, of, that's true. You know, instead of Captain America. Right. You could easily see, except that it would offend nearly the whole fan base, where yeah, he could yeah. have been Captain Rogers to oh, absolutely. He could political, have been. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right? They did a good job of not clubbing you to death with the old-fashioned, this is what America means. And, and the, mm, yeah, the Winter Soldier yeah, yeah. Falcon show did a lot to bring us a more modern version of what being American would mean to someone. So so kudos to that. But, I, I you know, I mean, it would have been a cool nod to that. Um, yeah. but I, I, I applaud the choice to actually, to give her a name, Captain Carter. It's to leave it that more, way. Well, that's yeah, cool. kind of empowering. Yeah. And at the same time, I mean, I don't know if they want to lean into the Captain Britain's yet because that gets you to Excalibur and all the mutants. Mm. Uh, that's true. So they might just not be ready that, for that. Yeah. Yet. That second version of Captain, uh, Britain. Absolutely. Yeah. The Brian Braddock. I just see that Brian sword Braddock. and shield and I'm like, is that not the most like, knightly like with the oh, union yeah. jack on there it's like she's a, she's literally a medieval knight come to life you yeah know? It's so fantastic yeah peggy defender of the realm uh you know saves the world and, and at the same time she has the uh the steve rogers ending where you know where steve is lost in the ice she is lost yeah. to the portal of space making the sacrifice time. play maybe the best thing about this version of the universe is it gets rid of the entire god-awful peggy carter show <laughs> <laughs> i didn't uh, mind it, it yeah fun. i didn't mind it either you it know, had I, points it had it had points yeah. there's the thing to we go back to that thing about uh how women are treated and that was that was like pervasive throughout yes. the series how yes. she was yes. always she was always having to fight the establishment to, to do the work. And I'm like, just to oh, be, man. Yeah. Having to work hard just to be considered equal. Yeah. yeah I can't yeah. imagine. Yeah. Well, that, the one scene where they're discussing just before they go after the Red yeah. Skull, she delivers the line there, which is flipping the, uh, the initial line where the general's like, you're lucky to be in the room. Yeah. And she finally gets to deliver it back to him. No, no, you're lucky to be in the room. Yeah, that's you're right. Perfect. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so then we get our, our uh, you could call it our, our post-credit scene, where the portal opens up, and it's the 20th century, we're at S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters, undisclosed location, and she just comes flying out of the portal on the heels of the uh, chopped up tentacles, and you get this cool little, uh, you know, you get the line from Sam Jackson as Nick Fury, uh, ma'am, can you please put down the sword? And then uh, you get this, like, it's funny because it's coming from... Uh, coming from Clint, where it's almost, it's Coulson-esque. You know how Coulson has the, you know, the the reverence for Steve Rogers and has the complete set of trading cards, and he's like, that's Captain Carter. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, isn't that, isn't that Nick Fury's line from the when Loki appears? Sir, can you please put down the spear? Yeah, the please spear. put down the spear, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, so this is the moment Loki emerges. That's right, yeah. Universe. It's, it's Captain Carter. And, of course, you know, She's, you know, asking for Steve and 
you know, they tell her that the war is over. It's been over for like 70 years and we won. And she's like, oh, of course we won the war. And then the episode ends and I nearly cried because I just wanted more. I wanted that. It's just as tragic as the original universe. It so is. And that's. What what is it? If you, the the thing you fought for, you lose. What does it matter if you win? Absolutely. You know, as I was saying, as we went into this, that there was a lot of role reversal, but yet there is so much familiarity in the same sense that, you know, Steve and Peggy still have that connection. He tells her, you're my hero. And she tells him, you're my hero too. Like mm-hmm. there's still that deep oh, yeah. resounding, you know, in a, in the romantic sense that, you know, through space and time, you know, love is, is it's stronger than any of that. Right. Right. Yeah, I like, they talk about, uh, oh, you haven't seen it yet, but in the fourth episode, they talk about absolute points in time, and that yeah. that their their relationship could be one of those absolute points in time. Yeah, that absolutely. Thing yeah, revolves yeah. around. I like the fact that uh, you know the they even with the role reversal, they still they still maintain that. I love the little the little quip about uh, Stark made me some new dancing shoes, and now mm-hmm. it's like she's got to take him to the dance instead of him, you know, That's right. taking her. Right. I just yeah. I love the whole thing. Like I said, there is, I don't want to fawn over the thing, but again, this is my, <laughs> this is my favorite episode so far. And there's almost nothing that I can find fault with. I thought it was handled so well. I don't think you could pick a better episode to, to open the series with because it was so punch you in the face, action packed and just delivered on just about every level. Well, paralleling the first Avenger, right? So well, this is it too, right? Gotta leave with your first. What did you guys uh, overall think of the episode? Did you guys have any favorite moments that you uh, you liked in this one? I definitely liked her getting past the restrictions imparted on her by like her male counterparts. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. yes, you're Bre- you're the captain now, and they should fall in line. The breaking the, the mold thing. Yeah, yeah, I really like that too. It's very strong. Yeah, so much so um, that uh, I'm I'm still I'm willing now. I'm going to go get my Captain Carter figure. Okay. Even with the increased prices from Hasbro. Oh, which, I know, I know. You guys. <laughs> what about you, Hank? You got a favorite moment or, or moments I, from the episode? I, when she was fighting the, the Nazis on the bikes. Yes. And that, that whole dance. But when, when Steve came in to take out the tanks, yep, I just went. <laughs> I, was, I was just like, because all in that one moment, I, I, I got that as just the subtext, but it hit me. What if Steve Rogers was Iron Man? Yeah. A totally absolutely. different story that we could. But I, it, oh, man. Uh, my favorite moment was when he, I got some new dancing shoes, literally roared in, in that sort of Mark one-esque armor, but the reaction of the, the howling commandos, everything about that scene. Uh, absolutely. It's funny. Right the park. It's funny that you say that now. And it's just coming to me now that there's a parallel here and that, you know, in a, in a metaphorical way that Steve Rogers is the, is the, uh, is the James Rhodes to Howard Stark. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. You have to imagine like, is Tony Stark still going to be born? Is Tony Stark still going to wear Iron Man armor in the future? Yeah, is yeah, he yeah. going to be the one that is opposed to Sharon and start the Civil War? And like, I I, I like the idea that this one, because uh, not all of them lend themselves to that, but I like the idea that this one is like I could read issue two, three, four, and I could see where it's going. Right. You know right. what I mean? I yeah. can get into that. And one more little Easter egg or nod, I guess it is. Uh, when she's riding around on the Hydra Stomper, yeah, very similar to Big Hero Six. You know what? I, I did in the other, yeah. and I didn't want to. Giant. 
I don't want to mix my comic book properties, but I got a Stargirl vibe off of that with uh, Stargirl and uh, and Stripe, the, mm. the robot Stripe. Same thing. Mm. The Stripe robot yeah. even has a, a handlebar on the back. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's it for uh, you know. What if Captain Carter uh, became the first Avenger? Like I said, it's the it's it's absolutely my favorite episode going uh, so far. Not having seen the Doctor Strange episode, and uh, yeah, I uh, I hope you guys liked it, and of course. We want to know your thoughts. Make sure you uh, check us out on uh, all of our platforms. Be part of the conversation. Help us guide the show in the way that you want to see it go. And uh, I guess I'm going to turn it over to you, Hank, because uh, the next episode is yours. Excellent. What if T'Challa became Star-Lord? Maybe you feel lucky that you got to do your favorite episode of the three so far. And I feel absolutely lucky because this episode was my favorite of of the four I've seen so far. Right. There's a thing that the watcher says near the beginning of this that's it's he asks a different question. Now the the question the theme is what if and then we pick a we pick an idea and we we chase that down a rabbit hole but yeah. He asks the question is your destiny determined by your nature or the nature of your world? Yeah, yeah, Super yeah. Super important here because if there's one thing that I didn't like about this episode it's that Peter Quill gets absolutely shat upon <laughs> because <laughs> because Gala such a better Star-Lord, it's not even funny. <laughs> it's not even funny. And with words, he's a diplomat. The idea that you could talk a, a, a mad titan out of his, his genocidal plan yeah. before it even begins with a conversation. Yeah. Don't underestimate the power of a good argument. I think I brought like this, this up uh, in, our, in, in the Loki episode, and I'm just going to touch on it again for those of you who didn't follow us on that one. It's like, this episode is almost, you know, it, it borrows elements from uh, the, the boys from Brazil. Uh, and if you're not familiar with the boys from Brazil, it's the idea that there are several clones of Hitler as children. And they're all kind of like dispersed around the world and they're, they're studied as they grow up. And some of them are like, like nurtured with loving parents when, and then others are like, they're whipped and beaten, and the idea is to see, you know, nature versus nurture. Would they all grow up to be, you know, the the classic Hitler that we all know and hate? And I right. think you kind of get some of that going into this episode. Yeah, absolutely. And I, th- so this is where I talk about there's like a thematic difference between all the episodes. So yeah. Whereas the first episode, you have like a very subtle change, like a little pebble in the water. And it ripples out, but you you sort of follow a very similar through line. Mm-hmm. You have the the idea that you're just there's a role reversal between Sharon and Steve, and that eventually she ends up displaced out of time, the same person she was, a yeah. hero of the past. And you can follow that through to where it would play out in Endgame, and she would be the one fighting Thanos, and and p- maybe even picking up Molnir Worthy mm-hmm. would be fantastic. This one is uh, to use a, Mor- a Rick and Morty phrase. This one is many many iterations off the central finite curve mm-hmm. if if you have the 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 main universe where what we know and love happens and then as you start to branch off the branches that are closer have minor differences but as you get to really really far away you get some crazy differences and this one had some crazy differences uh like you know whereas the first episode you could see that the galactic picture basically stays intact this one is is radically different the entire power base of this galaxy changes and it's all based on uh, on on a thing and it's it's almost laziness where whereas the the decision for for sharon to stay in the first episode is is out of love and Mm -hmm. it's just a subtle difference this one is literally yondu outsourcing his own work 
Yeah, I mean, like that's the moment that the, this that's that's the moment. And if we had, uh, he turns it over to he, Craglin. <laughs> yeah, and taser face. <laughs> so two look holes, two see holes, two hear holes, one one food hole, one eating hole. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it makes sense. They they find this crazy. If there's one place on Earth where there's something on Earth that it shouldn't be there, it's here. And of course, it's Wakanda. The gajillion. And of course, we billion metric kilotons of vibranium yeah <laughs> absolutely and of course we find an eight-year-old t'challa exploring the world and uh and we just have a, a simple role reversal yeah and then we uh we get to open the episode with a little uh, a little bit of something familiar which is is nice we're on morag and we're about to we're about to heist the uh the power stone you look at a few differences. He's still wearing like the uh, the, the, the classic Black helmet coat. He's got the classic Star Lord helmet, but the, the 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 palette is different. It's not red eyes. It's no, the purple, it's purple power yeah. signature of the of the Black Panther that we're familiar with. Yeah. And if you look close, he's still wearing the Black Panther the, 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 the amulet or the yeah, pendant. Yeah, yeah. The necklace. And uh, we get a maybe maybe my favorite scene in the whole thing, and it it, it actually speaks to the tone of the whole episode because. Sharon Carter was very sort of straightforward action, very serious. The the stakes were high. This the it's it's sort of like it's more lighthearted. So we get that right off the mm. off the hop. Yeah. Korath, who's a fanboy of Star. So it's very different than the scene plays out in in Guardians where um you know, he doesn't who? Who Star-Lord? Yeah, I don't yeah, know what yeah, you're yeah. talking about. And and in this one it's it's when T'Challa removes the helmet that's when the, the recognition instantly knows who he yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge. You're the you're the world famous like you know Robin Hood basically, and you start to realize that he's done something with the Star Lord mantle. He's, yeah, he's, yeah. He's not just gone along and been you know a ravager and been kept in the dark. His, well, I mean, he has been kept in the dark, but he's not just a straight up ravager the way that we understand them. Yeah, right. So he's. <laughs> And in this in this thing, he the, the the fact that they have this little fight there they are there with the new with Korak added to the Ravagers. Yeah. Um. A f- fantastic little scene where he's like, when he says "hit me," and he actually lands the punch, and he's like, "No, no, that's what we're here for." Yeah. Just the the banter between those two guys, like, "Go ahead, use the gun. Go ahead, I'll <laughs> oh, let you. Oh, really? It's okay." Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> I loved that, and I knew that we were in for like that. Very much like the tone of Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. We were in for a lighter tone. And I, I'm actually, I have a criticism of Guardians of the Galaxy, and it's not so much of it, but a critique of the rest of the MCU in terms of how they tried to go. That was such a huge success that had such a great vibe to it. We're going to try to inject that level of lightheartedness and comedy into right, all the rest right, of right. them. And sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it doesn't work. No, you're right. Uh, I, w- I won't get into the specifics of that, but so <laughs> he uh, he knocks him out. He's got him on his shoulder. We have we have this. You know, he's instead of getting out the way that Peter got out in in Guardians, we have Yondu showing up personally. We get Yondu's weapon. We get the cool reminder of why he's so cool. But the, but then there's a moment where they have this conversation about you know we have the Power Stone. In the old days, we would have uh, we would have just sold this to the sold higher it to bidder. The highest bidder, yeah. And that's exactly what Peter does, having learned his lessons from Yondu. Right. You know, becoming almost a better Yondu, a better yeah, you know, yeah, snake, yeah. snake in the grass, right? 
But again, a little course correction, we do end up with the collector anyway. It's sort of, you know, that was always supposed to happen. It speaks to so the, you, it speaks to the charisma, you know, because remember that uh, T'Challa is picked up as an eight year old boy. So how charismatic does that kid have to be to influence his, uh, his pseudo captor? This is it. And and Yondu says it later on in the episode. You might be the heart of the ship, but I'm still the captain. Right. Right. So, but th- no, absolutely. And so that's when you really actually get to see what T'Challa's superpower is. And yeah. it is charisma. Yeah. It's this, he, he was born to be king. And yeah. if anyone is sort of royalty in the Marvel universe, it's T'Challa. Yeah. yeah. And, um, uh, I really like the way they wrote this episode. I'm, I'm sure like, they couldn't have known what was going to happen to the poor, poor Chadwick Boseman. No. But there are, there are elements of this episode that seem to almost be, and I know that you, you know, through the sort of the veil of looking back on it, you could, in, in, you know, almost like anthropomorphize an animal. You can pick and choose what you think might have been pertinent, but there are almost scenes in this where they speak to the fact that we don't have them anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, so it's kind of, yeah. yeah, it's kind of neat. So I guess, Eventually, we end up back, uh, we get his origin story, uh, where he's plucked instead of Peter, where Yondu goes, oh, well, we might as well make the best of a situation. You want to explore the world. How about we explore the universe? Flash forward to Morag, flash forward to to back on the planet where they have their new member and they're talking about, and he's he's basically saying, tell me about all those adventures. I want to know about all the details of my favorite, my best friend, Star-Lord. He keeps saying that. Oh, that's my best friend, Star-Lord. How did you beat Thanos the Mad Titan? And then my one of my other favorite uh, things about this episode, when he puts his arm around him, and literally T'Challa explains, "I talked him out of it." Never underestimate the power of a good argument. Yeah. And, yeah. and now we're talking. We just stole the Power Stone. Yep. So we're talking. He talked Thanos out of this plan when a it was an ago. inkling. <laughs> a when it was just ago. like you picture him, maybe you know. It's before he ravaged Gamora's homeworld, ostensibly. Yeah. yeah. Gamora was nowhere to be seen here. That's um, true. Nebula only has one cybernetic, meaning that he he intervened in all those cruelty experiments. Oh yeah. So yeah, early yeah, yeah. on, he cha- you know the ripples from from T'Challa being a better Star Lord are vast. Endgame doesn't happen. No. The Infinity War doesn't happen. No. What's his name? Doesn't come to Earth. Um, Oh my goodness, Ronan! Ronan oh, doesn't right, come right, to right, Earth. Right, right. Ostensibly, there's no Chitari invasion for the Avengers. One, you know, some other connotations that like there's all these positive things, and I, I want to reinforce those positive things because there's a dark overtone to the whole thing. It's very, very dark. Actually. Yeah, yeah. I just gotta, while we're on Thanos, I got, I got my favorite part is where he's uh, literally <laughs> saying, you know, my plan would have worked, wiping out, you know. Oh, at the, at the end of the episode? The right, where they're like, but it seems like genocide. And he's like, but it's random. <laughs> was that supposed to be Okoye, or was that just a random Dora Melage? I don't know for sure. Yeah, because that's one of the girls that he's talking to. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> because it's I love, I love that idea. Where, the, you when know, he says, call me Captain Genocide again. Or he says, uh, uh, he says uh, but efficient. <laughs> but efficient. And that joke but is just like a little through line. Like it's still yeah, in the yeah. back burner. <laughs> but he's become a better person just by knowing T'Challa. Absolutely. Um, yes. Drax's wife and child are alive. I couldn't be happier yeah, for Drax yeah, yeah. in this universe. You know, he's still Drax. That's a horrible photo of you. I feel bad about David <laughs> Batista not being in the voice, but. 
it is what it is. Do you want to I touch mean, on that for a second? Like, I know we we did a, we sort of skirted around it, but I mean, just to get it out of the way. That, sure. uh, that So the official line is that Marvel Studios, a.k.a. Disney, reached out to all of the principal actors from the films asking them would they like to come back and reprise their roles. Some did, some didn't. So right. we don't we don't have uh, Chris Evans as as Steve Rogers in this, and there's a few other ones. We don't have uh, oh my lord, uh, we don't have the original Red Skull. Uh, yeah. Um, oh. Elrond of yeah. Rivendell. <laughs> That's right. Why can Asian I not think? Smith. Yeah, yeah, uber famous actor. So yeah, but then there's this. We don't have the original Star Lord. Right. Hugo Weaving. Right. Hugo Weaving. Thank you very Hugo much. Hugo Weaving. There it is. So we get this friction that's come up in the last couple of weeks where Dave Batista has gone on the record to say that he was never asked. Hmm. And so then the response to that was, well, you know, everybody was either contacted through their management or directly. And he says that he never got the word. So, you know, yeah, left, hand, left hand not talking to the right hand. I feel something. Hopefully it doesn't start some craziness that affects the third movie. Well, exactly. We don't, we've had enough friction in the MCU or in the real world uh, because of things that have happened in the MCU that, you know, this is not one that we need. <laughs> Looking at you, Black Widow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you, you're, we don't have all the original voice actors, but there uh, are a in, lot. in this episode, it's damn near, a lot. It's damn near everybody. <laughs> and they're the minor characters, just like, you know, taser yeah, face. Taser face. It's, it's, it's super fantastic. I love that. On a semi-related note, um, you've all seen the marketing materials for Shang-Chi. Mm. So it's been confirmed that uh, the, the vocalizations that from the Abomination is Tim Roth. Cool. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. That's yeah. beautiful. That's beautiful. Sorry, I didn't mean to steal your thunder, Hank. No, no, that's okay. No, uh, so I was just I was just looking at my notes. I, I already talked about Drax's family, Nebula's eye, things yeah, that are yeah. big changes. But one of the bad changes, you got to have bad with the good. One of the bad changes is without Thanos, the Mad Titan, with his iron grip over the over the over the uh, the universe, ostensibly, yeah. someone's got to step in to fill that power vacuum. The power vacuum, and yeah. Seems, right? And so the Collector has stepped into that space. And he seems to be way, he's, he's jacked up. He's sort of a, a, almost like a different kind of character. Certainly he's going to have to be more imposing and more like hands-on mm-hmm. instead of just like uh, one of us that collects, you know, that that's, uh, you know, exotic things, I guess. You get the impression um, from this version of the character that he's doing a lot of his own work and not having right. people like agents go and get his collectibles for him. He's going out and well, doing it he, himself. He's certainly more equipped or able to do that. Oh, big time. And the fact that the Black Order actually serve him now. Yeah, yeah. You know, which sets up one of my favorite moments is when Thanos gets to fight the Black Order. Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. Loved it. So I guess the the crux of this episode is a triple, uh, a planned triple cross. And we're going to, we have a a very similar idea that we're going to head in Guardians where we were going to sell the Tesseract, but double cross him. And maybe steal some other things. Mm-hmm. This is this this sort of the same idea. You get the uh, the distraction in the street, but it's Thanos and and Taserface and the and the other Ravengers having a street brawl, which calls the Black Order in, and they realize it's a distraction. But T'Challa's already off looking through, you know, the collection, and we get some of the stuff that was the Easter eggs from the Guardians movie. We get them back. We get Howard the Duck. Yeah, fantastic scene. And there are a uh, lot more out of luck if you don't go duck. They're a lot clearer in this one too, right? We get the uh, we get the dark elf in the box. We get the uh, the dog from the Apollo program. Yeah, 
Um, Cosmo. Uh, yeah. Cosmo. We get some beautiful stuff there. The thing here, we get a little more of Seth Green, who voiced uh, Howard the Duck in, in, in the movie, in the sort of the cameo uh, after credit scene. But we get him in a little larger scene here where he actually gives a little tour. Yeah. And uh, tells him where the uh, sort of the uh, the MacGuffin of this episode, which are a, a thing called the Embers of Genesis. Yeah. Because we know T'Challa is all about nobility and, and uh, helping, you know, he's Robin Hood. He steals from the rich to help the poor. And right. the Embers of Genesis will literally, you know, just like Star Trek, you grab a Star Trek reference, the, uh, the, the Genesis, Genesis program, device, will, yeah. The, literally seed a whole world or whole star systems and feed trillions of beings. And this is what, this is end hunger in the galaxy is literally what T'Challa says. So yeah, the yeah, noblest exactly. of reasons exactly. they plan a heist. Uh, and it's a triple cross because you think for a moment Nebula's on the bad guys team, just like Nebula's Nebula, but no, it's a triple cross that was all part of the plan. And then you get this brawl with the collector. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when he calls down this crate behind him, and you start to see there's some darker overtones to this. Oh, so yeah, yeah. We know that the, there was no Avengers movie. Right. There was no Infinity War movie. There was no, no Civil War. There no. was no, you know, things panned out very differently. But when he opens that case, and this he, is he like a veritable trophy the, case, right? He pulls out the 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 knife, the 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 dark matter knife by the the Lord uh, of the Elves. Yes, uh, yeah. Loki's true father. Yeah, yeah. And and then he's got Th- Captain America's shield in there. He's got Thor. He's got Molnir. He's got Thor's hammer in there. Yeah. He's got Hela's helmet in there. Yes. He's got Korg's arm in there. Yeah. Suggesting to me that he was the preeminent villain. From the Thor Ragnarok. Oh, big movie. time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? So while his brother was the preeminent villain of the, uh, like, the Grand Master, they're brothers. Yes. I don't know if you guys knew Yep. That. Uh, so he was much more involved in the, in the sort of however Thor Ragnarok played out. Perhaps, you know, Bruce Banner never even went to uh, right. Battle World or whatever. Yeah, it was. yeah, yeah. Sakar. Uh, S- Sakar, yeah. Sakaar, Some very yeah. interesting sort of connotations, like, uh, you know, and I, one of my what if questions for the whole episode is what if I knew how <laughs> he lifted Molnir and put it in that case? <laughs> <laughs> how did I you mean, it's, well, no, but it does, there's like a broader, like, are these sort of celestial beings? Are these higher tier beings yeah, not subject yeah, yeah, yeah. to human worthiness, if you will? Right. Like, is, is, is Thor human? I don't know. I, uh, you know, like, so, and I, I always you, thought that, that Asgardians were human and if, that, that, uh, Eternals were human. Oh, uh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. or not, so not Eternals, sorry. Inhumans were human. I got that. The name would suggest. Inhumans, I definitely got the vibe that they were humans, but then they're subjected to the Terrigen, the Terrigen mists, right. and that's what right. changes them. But fundamentally, their basic DNA well, I always is still. I felt that Asgardians, being like human gods, were, yeah. were humans themselves, yeah, just I on a whole so. other plane. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's one, it's, I'm going really obscure, but there's a, 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 a New Mutants annual where the New Mutants go to Asgard, and the, in particular, the character Sunspot is so much more powerful, literally because he absorbs his power, kinetic energy from the sun, turns mm-hmm. it into raw strength. Yeah. And Asgard's proximity to the sun is closer. Closer. So he's <laughs> even more powerful. It's just a, just a tidbit there for everyone. So the, the battle with the Collector, he dons Hera's uh, The headgear, yeah, yeah. He pulls out the 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 necro blade and the necro sword. Yeah, we, the neck. I mean, he's got like there's some crazy Easter eggs going on here, but then he gets his comeuppance in 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 a in a way too that like you know just like the Red Skull was killed out of time, 
in in uh, the first episode, you know, the the collector gets his comeuppance here as as his his minions, you know, cl- and all his collections close in around him after they trick him into the into the box and his girl Friday there just right, opens because, the box. Uh, uh, what is it he says? Uh, T'Challa says to Yondu, we're going to play, uh, what was it, uh, uh, Sticky Fingers? Sticky Fingers. And then, and then he's right. like, who's going to be the glue? Oh, you are right. because you lied to me. <laughs> right. So, and I want to talk that. I, I was sort of going a little bit fast, but there's a little subtext there because T'Challa learns that Yondu lied to him. And it's a lie that was based on the last thing that, that T'Chaka ever said to him, which was about the warring nature of humans, about right. how they don't, they don't, they're not about peace. They're about war and destruction and chaos. And that's why Wakanda is a sealed society. Right. And so probably having told Yondu that story, Yondu uses that story to exploit and to, to keep because he loves it. He, he says, that's my kid at the end. He loves T'Challa. Yeah. Yeah. Like his, his own child. It's almost a different, you know, he, he had to stop the Ravagers from eating Peter. That's right. Yeah, yeah. This is a different, you know, you're the you're the heart or the soul of the ship. That's a different, you know, I, I feel bad for Peter so in that, all these ways. That's one aspect of the episode that I kind of wished we'd spend some more time on was in the in the exposition piece where T'Challa is explaining that Yondu tried to return him to Wakanda once. I'd like to know how that conversation went. Like, how did that come around? Like, I'll try and take you home. And then, uh, well, right. Yeah. He could have taken him anywhere that was destroyed. Yeah. 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 Just yeah. told him that, you know, but again, T'Challa's powers or his, like his nobility, his forthrightness, he, he mm-hmm. instantly forgives him. He's like, okay, you, you're going to go get punched in the face by the bad guy. This is, <laughs> yeah. this is how we'll solve this. You know, he puts them when they're in prison, he puts them up you lied to me, but they quickly resolve it. And they, you know, right. it's, he forgives him. And I think one of the other best things about this is that King T'Chaka never dies. No, um, he doesn't. Zemo never kills him. No. So we have we have two Black Panthers. We have a Black Panther on Earth yep. ostensibly operating yep. as the Black Panther. Yeah. And uh but I guess I guess maybe as as the episode closes, we get we get the, the moment when T- T'Challa comes home and he's welcomed home and it's 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 wow it's hard to watch because it's almost like in in Black Panther itself when 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 he dies briefly yeah. and they go to the realm where all the Black Panther all the into the afterlife into the afterlife and he meets his father and all the yep. other Black Panthers it's very reminiscent of that scene for me where he gets to go home mm-hmm. and you realize like you know if whatever you believe that that he's gone home someplace different and that there's a line and I I, I try not to get choked up here. Where is it? Yondu says it. I don't even know how the character delivered. Well, he wouldn't have known, so he wouldn't have known. But on any planet, among any people, there ain't no place in this galaxy where you don't belong. Where and you I don't just went, belong, oh, man. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Because I mean, just some uh, some personal things about the character, uh, about about the actor. Yeah. He didn't tell anybody. No. No. He it just was went very, about his business. Very, yeah, yeah. Like he knew he. He had to have struggled through the four episodes of What If that he was in because he was already during the the filming of of uh, of Endgame. Yeah, he was full blown dying of cancer. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, I just like if there's a real superhero in the world, wow, you know what I mean? I can remember seeing some specifically talking about uh, Chadwick Boseman. I specifically recall there was a behind the scenes thing of one of the 
one of the the night the uh, I guess the evening talk shows. I don't know if it was like Kimmel or Fallon or one of those. They were basically mm-hmm. taking the audience members out, and they were they were obviously they were talking about uh, Black Panther, and so they were like, "Hey, we're taking the opportunity if you want to send a message out to uh, Chadwick Boseman to tell him, you know, you know what the movie meant to you, and just send out a, a general shout out." And so they right. basically stood there in front of a camera, and as these people were delivering their messages, what they didn't realize was Chadwick Boseman was behind the curtain, and so he came out and met every one of these people, and they hugged, and it was just this incredibly yeah. touching moment where. These people, and I get there's there's an element of being starstruck, and I think you know we've been to conventions, Andy. We know what that's like. Yeah. But the, it was so genuine in uh, in everything that he said and how he interacted yeah. with those people. And no, it's like, absolutely. Well, these movies, yeah, like, they're made to entertain us, but it goes yeah. way way beyond that. Like they affect people in such a way. I had an inter, and this is this is part of that. And I, again, I don't mean to steal your thunder because I know we're oh, talking no, about no, this. No. But I'm almost done. My here's, anyway. Yeah, no, this, do is, your thing. this is my position on entertainers, and anybody who says that an entertainer isn't is not a viable career option, or that it, they're less worthy than doctor, lawyer, whatever. I, I have this this point to offer, and I and I said this when I met Dean Kane, who played Superman on uh, Lois and Clark. Mm. We were talking, and and he found. I told him that I was in the military, and he's, you know, thank you for your service, and you know, for doing what you do. And I and I, it hit me. I'm like, you know, I just got to tell you. I said, thank you for being an entertainer and doing what you do, because in the worst times, you know, if I'm sitting there doing whatever, and I can squeeze in an hour to watch a movie or to read a book or to watch a TV show that I've recorded. What you do as an entertainer makes it easier for me to do what I do professionally. So yeah. never discount yeah. the value of the arts because it's it's uh, it's priceless. There's no other way to say it. You can't yeah. put a value on no. that. It's really nice when these people are human beings when they're not yeah. when they're not so wrapped up in in whatever it is that they imagine that they have to be wrapped up in to, mm-hmm. to do the job. Yeah. It's really yeah. nice when they're like legit people. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I get the same vibe off of Chris Evans and uh, I think all, so all too. the stuff I see on, on social media. I was going to say, certainly his Twitter feed suggests that he's a, he's a real person. <laughs> yeah. And then I mean, two of my favorites from my couple of my favorite properties, like Mark Hamill and Patrick Stewart. Yeah. I, you know, like if I was sitting down with a beer, uh, you know, over a beer with those two guys, it, it 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 feels like it would be effortless. Like those are just, you know, despite the fact that they're these actors, they they just seem so genuine. And maybe yeah. that's because they're such good actors. Maybe, but I really like that about about my actors. If I if I'm going to care about these properties and stuff, and we do get invested, you know, maybe you know, if you ask Harrison Ford, uh, we're crazy, but yeah, but we oh, do yeah, get yeah. Invested. that's right. And, uh, that just makes me like Harrison Ford even more because it means he's Han Solo and Indiana Jones. In All at the life. same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah he's so coy. It makes me like him more. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I, um, I'm super excited. There's three more episodes apparently that feature, uh, Chadwick Boseman. I oh, can't really? Wait. Okay. That's exciting. Um, even if they're just minor, I can't wait. A human treasure. Uh, everything I've ever seen him in was just gold. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. exactly. Gone way before his time. I just want to end, though, that, um, you know, this seemed to be like a very, you know, it was jovial. We had a lot of laughs. Thanos, uh, we got a lot of laughs out of Thanos. We got a lot of laughs out of a lot of the characters. But we, we end on this very, very dark note. Yeah. And and I don't I don't know if the, 
the the jovial nature of this universe actually is the is the punchline. The punchline is that ego, yeah, finds Peter Quill himself on Earth. That's right. Ego doesn't have to trick anybody into bringing him to to the planet. No, he comes to Earth. Ego, the living planet, is on Earth now, and there's no reason for Peter. There's no Gamora to 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 be in love with, to rip him from the grasp of ego. Ego destroys the universe. Oh. Other than that, yeah, yeah it was a hundred percent my favorite episode. Man, I, I can't wait for the rest of them. I will say they keep getting darker. <laughs> they like Captain Carter was very sort of neutral and yeah, in, the, yeah, yeah. in the middle, very action packed. Exactly what I expect from my superhero yeah, stuff. Yeah. The second episode, very very, you know. But they seem to be curving. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So on that note, Andy, mm-hmm. I was going to say one point before we go because uh, to the mm-hmm. next one, minor little detail that I, I I had to stop the episode and rewind it. What did you think of the renaming of the Milano to the right. Man, the Mandela? I did have a note in there, so yeah. that's twofold actually. That's so that's twofold for me being a weird conspiracy guy. <laughs> it's also it's a nod to to Nelson Mandela, of course. Of yeah, the, like the, the, like and what he did for Africa, and the idea that uh, Wakanda is sort of uh, should be empowering for for mm-hmm. for you know for black people and Africans yeah. and stuff. Yeah. It's the idea of you know that's wonderful Wakanda forever. Yes, uh, I tweeted that everywhere when it came out. Um. Where was I going? Um, <laughs> oh my goodness, I lost my mind there. What did I start on there? Milano Mandela. Oh right, and also the Mandela effect. Oh, the yeah, idea yeah, yeah. that s- small changes in the universe could be you know rippling into other timelines. Gotcha. And gotcha. I I honestly think that it's it's twofold, and it might even be heavier on the Mandela effect mm-hmm. meaning, because that's what we're seeing here is that sort of multiversal Mandela effect. Yeah, like, I guess so. Eh? The pop culture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, mm-hmm. turn of the phrase. Well, I I like the episode. I like the fact that, uh, you know, the, the idea of, you know, heart. And I mean, if anything, all of the outpouring since the loss of Chadwick has all has really spoken to that. So, you, as you say, like, these episodes were written, you know, before anybody knew and how do you like it's just it's almost eerie how they nailed it that way you know that yeah. that, that characterization is so much closer to the man that you know people who were close to him would like us to believe that he was that's right so you know for that reason the it, the episode is very strong yeah what do you think Andy? well it is peter quill's fault that uh, thanos killed half the universe Right. Agreed. Because he Agreed. couldn't keep himself he in check. He could not so. keep himself in check. I mean, yeah, it's it's he's mourning, he's angry at the loss of Gamora, but I just, just wonder with killed everybody. you know, with uh with Peter now face to face with his father, you know, and then and then, you know, opening him up to his uh, celestial powers, like well, what's that gonna look like? Pretty dark because yeah, he doesn't have a Gamora yeah. to balance him out. No, exactly what but, I said. It destroys the universe. That's the end yeah. of that universe. Do you think very so? shortly after. Do you yes. think so? Do you think Peter? Do you think Peter finds out that Ego is responsible for his mother's death, and he doesn't try to do the revenge thing? I don't think there's any. There's there's no sympathetic setup for the character to evolve. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. there's no no like no he. There's no one to pull him back from the lie. I guess so. No, there isn't. Yeah, he he's gonna go hook, line, and sinker, and 
Yeah, even the watcher says, you know, oh, this is <laughs> it could mean certain Dubai. Right. I interpret that like we have the living. It's right on Earth. Earth is yeah. for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, Earth yeah. is done. Yeah. <laughs> for sure, Earth is done. <laughs> All right, that's cool. Well, I guess that's it. That's our look at uh, what? What if T'Challa became Star Lord? Yeah. yeah. Number two, episode three, Andy. That's all yours, my friend. So the third episode of the first season, What If the World Lost Its Mightiest Heroes? Again, directed by Brian Andrews. uh, Runtime of 34 minutes. Uh, The concept of this one is not new. It dates all the way back to 1977 with issue three of the original What If. uh, Oh, volume one. Yeah, Yeah, way back. Way back. And uh, what if the Avengers had never been? That's right. It's it greatly differs because different times, different everything. This one's more based yeah, yeah. on the comics where the new one is based on the MCU. Yeah. No Namor. No Namor. Yeah, true. Yes. <laughs> um yet. Yeah. So I don't He's know coming. if they're gonna bring him in as actual Atlantean or a mutant, because I think they've oh, named him really? as a mutant in the comics. Do we not do we sorry, this is a, a, an aside piece. Do we not accept that the sub oceanic tremors that were detected do we not attribute that to being atlantean activity maybe back in uh, which film was I it did. what movie yeah, was that I do you remember what movie it was in the end of infinity war i think so yeah yeah, yeah. oh yeah because yeah, it was yeah. uh, the wakandans had noticed it or something that's right yeah yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah yeah but again like you guys were saying we have a whole host of original voices returning for this one uh, Sam Jackson's back as Nick Fury, Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye, Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner, Hiddleston as Loki. Yeah. Notable, though, replacing Robert Downey Jr. is Mick Wingert as Tony Stark. Mm. And Lake Bell is taking up the role of Black Widow. Really? I mm. thought she did a really good job. She did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Some of those were legacy lines, so I thought that they actually were reusing assets. Oh, I really yeah, thought. Yeah. Tony Stark stuff was reusing assets from the original movies. So it's interesting that they recast everything. Yeah. You may recognize some of her other work from properties like Bojack Horseman, Into the Mm Spider-Verse, and Secret Life of Pets. Uh, But most notably for me, anyway, she was the voice of Poison Ivy on the Harley Quinn animated series. The new one? The new one. Oh, really? So uh, I have yet to see that. I guess I should. We're two seasons in. It's awesome. (laughs) <laughs> That's what happens when you don't have real TV anymore. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the episode kicks off and the watcher tells us that, uh, you know, over the course of a week, a whole lot can change. Mm-hmm. And we kick off on Monday and we find Nick Fury talking about bringing together a group of remarkable people. Same. We've heard that line before. Yeah. And it's a different perspective on the scene from Iron Man 2. As we get them rolling up and we find Tony in the donut, he's still hungover and they still have their conversation inside the coffee shop, but it takes a turn with instead of Black Widow sitting down to join the conversation, she hits him with a syringe, which is supposed to be full of lithium dioxide, which should slow the effects of his palladium poisoning. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, she catches him off guard, but they quickly realize that something has gone wrong. And before they know it, Iron Man is dead on the floor. I just want to say, when this episode aired, I was about, oh, I don't know. I might have been, I might have been just past this point, And I turned to Kim and I said, I wonder if this is a revenge thing. And I nailed it. Yes. Yes, you did. The Watcher then steps in to tell us that uh, everything's about to change. And we cut to Tuesday. And 
we get the uh, the shot from New, I think it's New Mexico where Molnir has landed. Oh yeah, yeah, at, that's right. Yeah. Post credit scenes for yeah. Iron Man two. That's right, yeah. And we cut back to Black Widow. This one it cuts back and forth a lot. There is yeah, there is a lot it's of that. interweaving through so many Marvel properties. Yeah, but uh, Fury knows that something's wrong. But it really, but it really speaks to. I know that they're, we're talking uh, what three separate films that they've that they've kind of least, mangled yeah. in here. Again, as the Watcher said, a lot can happen in the course of a week. So the events of Iron Man, of Thor, and of the Incredible Hulk all happened in the same week. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah. that's huge. Yeah. Things are happening all over. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, as uh, Romanoff's getting led away in handcuffs, Fury, he knows something's <laughs> off with this and trusts her to figure it out. And we get more voices. We get uh, Frank Grillo coming back for yeah, Brock Lum- yeah, yeah. Rumlow. Rumlow. And uh, she quickly makes her escape, and and it's similar to the elevator scene in, uh, in Captain America, right? Yeah, where yes, she's yeah. fighting them all in the back of the truck. But uh, here, want to hold these for me? Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> but then we shift into Thor territory, and we pick it up right at the beginning of Thor, where he's going after the hammer, and just as we saw in the film, you know, he's you know stealthily making his way through until he gets uh, where he's going, but. Uh, they kind of turn this one up a bit because Coulson catches sight of him and he can't help but point out that, uh, you know, he's a male Caucasian yeah, tall yeah. and he's got really great hair. Really great hair. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With the swoop. <laughs> and Fury's like, what? And he continues to swoop and he's like, oh, he's gorgeous. And uh, Hawkeye, he takes his position, same as he did in the movie. And with his bow trained on him, he waits for the signal, and he remarks, you know, Coulson wasn't lying. His really hair, does have it's, good it's air. nice. That's <laughs> uh, funny. Yeah, so a uh, little comedy beat before it goes to hell. And uh, Hawkeye slips, or at least that's what we're led to believe, and out goes Thor. You wouldn't think that an arrow would be enough to take him out, but... Nope. This is one of the things that came up sort of, uh, you know, in the post, uh, you know, in the time after this episode. It was like... Did Hawkeye really have, like, a god-killing arrow the whole time? Eh, maybe. Did he? In the comics, we know that he's had one capable of taking out the Hulk. But Fair enough. Not having ever met Thor in this yeah. universe yet, yeah, you yeah. wouldn't think they would have, you know, the contingency plan for it. No, yeah, that's a good point. But, uh, you know, he swears that it wasn't him, that the arrow that's lodged in Thor's chest is uh, not his fault, mm-hmm. that he slipped and... Sitting in his cell, he's just, you know, he's going nuts. He's like, how did I slip? How did I slip? How did I slip? Right. And Fury decides he's going to get him to talk, but it's already too late. They enter the cell, and Hawkeye is now dead. Now Hawkeye's done, too. And, of course, they all flip out. Yeah. Uh, Coulson's like, you know, who did you let in the room? Because nobody in, nobody out. And uh, Well, that's three Avengers in, what, 24 hours? Yeah. Less than that, maybe? Yep. No, two days. Two days. Yeah, well, I think we're yeah, just sorry. at the end of Tuesday. Tuesday, here. yeah. But uh, the mystery deepens as Nick Fury already has the information that Barton was married with kids. So uh, that puts him further down the road that this is not right. Something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Got to figure it out. Uh-huh. But even now, another comedic beat, Coulson is still swooning over Thor. And he's like, even in death, he smells like lavender. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and, and, you know, Fury takes a moment, too, and he's like, takes a big sniff he's like oh (laughs) (laughs) so it's dark and light at the same time but then we continue on wednesday as black widow has now reached out to betty ross 
but uh, this is one where she did not come back to voice it. Uh, Liv Tyler. Liv Tyler, yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, so it's a replacement there. But uh, she's trying to figure out what went wrong with the cure. Yeah. And she's told that the antidote never made it out of the syringe, but it looks like a tiny projectile has been fired from yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we get the first of the callbacks to the Incredible Hulk film as Natasha spots the pizza delivery form on a table from yeah. Stanley's Pizza Parlor. Uh, Stanley's Pizza, yeah, yeah, I like which that. Which is a double nod, like, to the parlor and to, of course, Stanley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we get cutting back and forth now again as uh, Romanoff calls Fury with her theory that the murders are all connected by the Avengers Initiative. And Fury tells her that the last two are her and Bruce Banner, so get the hell out of there. Yeah. And uh, then as we cut back to the desert, Coulson is just returning to the site of Molnir, and the Bifrost opens. Right. And Loki, Sif, and the Destroyer armor, and a whole army uh, the, of his Guardian soldiers. Three and, yeah, yeah, they're all there. They're all making landfall. Another bit of the comedy beat here, um, as Loki's making his introduction, Fury's cell phone keeps going off. Yeah. And uh, he's he's trying to lay down his best, you know, godly banter. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Fury's like, you know, hold on a minute. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta yeah, deal yeah. With this. And uh, we find Natasha in the corridor, which the scene coming up is very familiar in The Incredible Hulk. And they start comparing notes like, oh, I'm busy. It was like, well, what do you got? And she's like, well, I got RB snipers, tanks and this. And right, like, right, right. And he's like, well, I've got space Vikings. <laughs> Space. <laughs> it's reminiscent of the first phone call between Fury and, and Natasha when she's chained to the chair. Yes. I'm working. I'm busy. What do you want? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But uh, Loki has come for vengeance, having uh, now known that Thor has been murdered. Coulson has a good line coming up here. That's a very different. Uh, um, that's a very different Loki because now you say that he's coming for vengeance for his dead brother, who he wasn't really fond of anyway. Yeah. But having the Destroyer there with him, that means that Odin directly has yeah, sent him. he's got full authority. Yeah. But uh, as we continue to cut back and forth, you know, uh, Natasha's telling General Ross, you know, stand down. Yeah. But as she's doing that, we get another one of those slipped moments yep. and somebody tags Banner. Right. But, uh, I mean, a lot of good it'll do them for now because he just gets pissed off and says, you know, this won't be good for anyone. Right. And uh, we get our we get a Hulk out here. We do. We get uh, Hulk smashing. I like this scene only be and I'll say this before only because it makes me smile knowing that that set piece is the University of Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he gets to go smash here, and at the same time, uh, things are escalating in the desert as Loki whips out the casket of ancient winters. Right. And just as he did in the first Thor film, he just begins to freeze everything up. Right. Both fronts are raging, but something is wrong because the Hulk starts, like, growing uncontrollably until he finally explodes. That was pretty grim. Yeah. Kind of gruesome. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. similar to the... uh, Similar to the ending of the Ang Lee Hulk, where he says, take all my power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, And uh, the father slash absorbing man blows up right but uh reminded me of the uh, scourge villain from the tartakovsky clone wars how he kind of yeah, of course there's no uh, Obi- there's a, no obi-wan standing at the middle of it <laughs> i got a uh sort of a akira vibe too the way he oh my god yeah, yeah yeah the visual of it absolutely yeah yeah 
But uh, back in the desert, Fury tries to reason with Loki, and Sif agrees that they should at least hear him out and work together to find Thor's assassin. But Loki, he just scoffs at the idea and it's like, no, no, we're not allies. You got one day to bring me the uh, assassin. Right. So uh, we flip back to, I guess, are we at Thursday yet? I don't know if we're at Thursday yet. I'm not sure, to be honest. It might be Wednesday night. (laughs) But uh, back in Virginia, we find Black Widow on the phone with Coulson trying to access S.H.I.E.L.D. files. Uh And she needs his password. And he's like, no, I'm not giving you my password. (laughs) And finally, (laughs) she's like, you know, give it to me. Okay. (laughs) Hashtag Steve, Steve, Steve. I heart Steve 0704. (laughs) And that (laughs) is your throwback to, you know, his love of Captain America. But it's also Captain America's in continuity birthday. July 4th. Yes. Oh, cool. Yeah. Funny that Captain America is born on the 4th of July. Yeah. Yeah, man. Just like Tom Cruise. <laughs> uh, once she gets in, though, we get a bunch more Easter eggs with some more familiar faces from the uh, the MCU. And we see there, you know, we've got Alexander Pierce, Maria Hill. Yeah. And yeah. if you catch it quick enough here, it kind of gives it away because there is an X over Janet Van Dyne. Is there? Oh, yeah. I can see that now. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh the Black Widow, she's found out something now, but behind her, she hears a noise. And as she's calling Fury to let him know what she's found, yeah, they begin to throw down. And we never, we never get to see who takes her out at this point. She's just dragged off into the shadows, right. and uh, that's the last we see of her. But uh, as Fury and Coulson listen to the message that was left, he remarks that Fury is the last name on the list of Avengers. Mm-hmm. But Fury says, no, there's one more. And in another reveal, we get... Uh, Captain Marvel's pager. Oh, right, right. Yeah. The uh, cutting-edge 1990s technology oh, tricked yeah. out with some uh, Kree trappings. Yeah, universal <laughs> upgrades. He, he drops the... There's a... On the message, she she says the phrase, it's hope. It's it's, it's all it's hope. hope. Yeah. Right. Right. So that, and that's a, another Easter egg. It for, is. Like, it... If you if you you know if you're familiar, you could have interpreted that two ways, right? Yeah. At first, I glanced over it, and then I went, "Well, no, wait a minute. <laughs> what do you mean it's all about hope? Oh, you mm. mean hope? Because I had seen the Janet Van Dyne. I was, starting, yeah. I was my brain was starting to rapidly put it together. Yeah, it comes together pretty quick after that because as Fury is pondering their last hope being Captain Marvel. Yeah, he's like, "Oh, hope!" And then he races mm. off to make his uh, pact with a god or a deal with the devil. Yeah. Mm. And I love this moment because he strolls up and he's just staring down the destroyer. Yeah. Like, hey, soldier, what are you doing? You got a name, soldier? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. Actually, part of me was like waiting to see if there would be a speaking part, like a like a voice cameo, like like Odin would speak through the destroyer to, yeah. to have a line about his son. And that never happened. I was like, oh, OK. I mean, I was OK with it, but it would have been, been cool. Yeah. We never do get to see their uh, their meeting, mm-hmm. and we just flip to Thursday morning, yep. and we come upon a graveyard in San Francisco, California, so there's another arrow pointing, mm-hmm. and we find Nick Fury standing at the gravesite of Hope Van Dyne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And behind him, it's revealed that uh, Hank Pym, who is voiced by Michael Douglas, yep. is in a version of the Yellow Jacket armor, and he's the one that's responsible. And, yes, uh, sir. He ain't happy. So the, back when I was saying we were watching and, and shortly after Tony Stark was killed and I said I nailed it, I said Hank Pym, but I did not. And I said it was a revenge thing, but I didn't realize that it was going to be for his daughter. Mm-hmm. I totally missed on that, even though I, I, I knew it was going to be him. I just didn't know what the motivation was. And that was like, oh, okay. Yeah. 
So as they're standing there, though, like you do see Hope's grave. Yeah. But we don't see Janet's. No. So presumably so, Janet's still in still the stuck in the quantum, in the quantum realm. realm. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Looks so, like a classic Disney villain too. At the same time, exactly doesn't he like though? Himself. Yeah. 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 Crazy eyebrows. But uh, he blames Shield for the death of Hope, and Fury insists that she was killed on a mission outside Odessa, Ukraine. And this is yet another Easter egg, because mm-hmm. this was referenced when Black Widow was ambushed by the Winter Soldier. Right. When she was pulling a guy out of Iran. But Pym continues to circle Fury with all his frustrations, getting vented about his daughter and his wife. And in you don't really question it yet, but in an odd moment, Fury says, you know, her mother was an agent? Yeah. Well, this is where I got a little bit, I got a little cloudy because it's like, okay, so in this this universe, Hope Van Dyne went on to become a S.H.I.E.L.D. operative. Yeah. Whereas in Ant-Man, it's like he made the, the, the Wasp Gen 2 suit for, uh, for Janet and it just never got handed out until, okay, you can finally, you can go and be. Yeah. Yeah. She so, remained at the corporation. Yeah. She, yeah. 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 Kind of oversaw the research to try and keep, uh, what's his name in check? Yeah. Yeah. First Yellow Jacket. Yeah, yeah. Cross. Yes. Cross. Right. But uh, Fury, you know, so you think that gives you the right to murder people? And then we get treated to the montage of how he pulled off each one as just means to hurt Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. And when when he's asked, you know, why Thor? And he snaps and says, you know, you would have recruited him in a second. Yeah. And then, uh, I love this moment, but uh, Pym shrinks to attack, yeah. and Fury just smacks him away with ease. Yeah, what like, does yeah. He Catches him right out of the air, and uh, we get uh, this little quick fight scene, and it's got, like, quite the Matrix vibe to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Fury I briefly is... thought that he might have had the super soldiers serum before Ooh, the, uh, the Fury the line. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Crazy yeah. Well, I mean, look at that right there. Doesn't that suggest, you yeah. know, he's a... Uh, He's pretty spry for a man of his age. Yeah, and Pim, or Pim's quick to notice that out. He's like, you're pretty spry for a guy with a corner office. Yeah. And he continues to assault him, and it, and it's it mirrors that Neo scene where, you know, just kung fu shots. Oh, yeah, And he's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, blocking everyone. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Pim's getting pissed off, and he's continuing to assault and yelling at him that he doesn't care. If Fury laughs at him at this point. He's like, I didn't care about any of them. And that's when I knew. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> okay, something's not on. right here. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Fury continues to egg him on, trying like, oh, you're a killer. Kill me. Yeah. Go ahead. Kill me. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, that puts him off and he ends up destroying Hope's gravestone. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, gives him a pause. Mm-hmm. And then things get really weird because like the Furies start multiplying. And as he shrinks and tries to fly up, he gets turned into a giant yeah. icicle. <laughs> and uh, the Furies are just all laughing around him. And we do get the reveal that, yes, Loki has stepped in as the Furies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, the real Fury steps out of the shadows to take him into custody. And uh, Loki tells Fury that this was an absolute pleasure. And Fury responds, like, really bluntly, you know, take your hammer and get the hell off the planet. Yeah. But he's like, no, I think I'm going to stick around for a while. Yeah, yeah. And I love the face <laughs> on Nick Fury. So. So, I mean, this is very in line with the, the 2012 Loki yeah. before he gets away. Yeah. So uh, we cut to Friday, and at the United Nations building, Loki marches in in front of the members of uh, 
the United Nations and all the media, and he starts calling them his loyal subjects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And goes on to tell them that, you know, in one day, I've united the world under my command. Yeah. And this is like echoing his speech in uh, in Germany. Purpose. Uh, no, uh, humanity craves subjugation. Oh, and right, I'm, right. I'm here to give it to you. Right. <clears throat> and we're flashing around the world. We see that, you know, Asgard has clearly invaded fully. So this is the, this is the other thing. It's like now I really call into question where what is Odin's involvement at this point? And where is Odin? I would think he is, you know, son avenged. He's good. But now Loki is left to his own devices. Yeah. 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 As the protector of the nine realms. Yeah. This seems very uncharacteristic. <laughs> yeah. You're letting one of the realms go to hell here. Mind you, he did keep a secret evil daughter. True, but uh loki goes on to continue he's uh, yeah you know you were made to be ruled and i have come here to help you fulfill your destiny right and that again mirrors the germany speech but uh we cut to a hangar where colson and fury are standing over the coffins of the fallen avengers yeah and uh each of the coffins has their uh, the symbol the symbol yeah yeah and fury tells colson that the avengers were an idea an idea that in their darkest hour, they would find their heroes. Right. And that's kind of mirroring the whole Avengers Initiative idea speech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, even um, the symbols on the caskets. Remember, when we were uh, in those early films, they were just images on a computer screen. Yeah. But they're the same images. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, he then leaves the hangar and goes off, presumably, to find his heroes. And Right. Then we cross into First Avenger territory, where it turns out Nick Fury is the one to discover the shield frozen in ice. The frozen shield, yeah. Yeah. And it's a really misleading moment because... A little subversion here. Yeah, he's found Captain America, and he says, yeah. Welcome back, Captain. But we cut back, and it turns out Captain Marvel has appeared. Yeah. And she's like, where's the fight? Mirroring her appearance in uh, Avengers. Right. But it's not an image of her. She's really no, there. she showed yeah, up. Yeah. yeah, so presumably he hit that pager when he was sitting there. So. I would think so. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of conversation about that, you know, like, why didn't he hit the pager in the invasion of New York? I guess, you know, given the opportunity, uh, you know, if things were a little different, he might have used it for other reasons. But, I mean, an Asgardian invasion? Sure. sure. Yeah. There's that question in the Eternals uh, trailer, too. Why didn't you guys get involved when all that crap was? Why didn't you oh stop Thanos? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Or is, this is a, we now, we now have an we weren't level allowed. threat. Yeah, yeah. This is a much larger thing. Yeah. 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 But, uh Overall, a pretty dark episode. But mm -hmm. Humor layered in, just just enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, again, uh, that whole certainly Coulson had some great lines in it. He did. I think there's a, a little uh, a line there where Fury says something about they've come to take over Earth, and and he says something like Middle Earth. Like there's a <laughs> Lord of the Rings reference. Yeah, he says something yeah, about yeah, Loki's yeah. army resembling yeah. a Middle Earth army. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. No. Overall, it was a, it was a very strong episode. And and super dark and and West when you watch the Doctor Strange one we're just we're heading yeah I'm gonna go home and watch darkness, it today actually yeah darkness rabbit hole yeah cool I actually can't I'm gonna go see Shang Chi soon I can't wait for that yeah you're in for a big surprise I don't know how much time you got between now and your showtime but uh About but three hours br brush up on your Chinese uh, mysticism <laughs> yeah no, well, so, so like that's the other thing Lauren and I were talking about last night when we were like do we want to wait to October let's while we have the opportunity, maybe let's go check this out because it, yeah. it checks a bunch of boxes for us. Not only are we big Marvel fans and yeah. comic fans, yeah, uh, big MCU fans, yep, 
we're huge kung fu movie fans. Yeah, the whole yeah, genre. Yeah. I have yep. my collection of Jackie Chan. I have probably fifty or fifty-five Jackie Chan movies. Probably about thirty Jet Li movies. Yeah, we're, uh, and all the sort of the uh, original sort of seventies um, DVDs of all the crazy thirty-six <laughs> stuff chambers. Not, I am not going to lie to you. Yeah, I won't lie. As I was sitting there watching the movie, I could not help but think if Bruce Lee was alive today, he would be in the MCU. He would be a superhero. One hundred percent. He totally would. So be. it on paper it checks a lot of boxes for me. Yeah. Uh, the fact that that, that there's a, a Hulk villain cameo and yeah. I, I'm, so I'm I'm all in. I'm, I can't wait. It's a lot of fun. The movie's fun and there's a lot of nuance. So it's hard to keep your eyes everywhere, but keep your eyes everywhere and plan for a second viewing because I know I want to, I want to go back and just kind of revisit some of the nuance that, uh, you know, Oh, did I see that thing? Oh, damn, it's gone. I need to go back and see it again. Did did you premiere access black widow? I did. Yes. I did. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. I, I, have you seen it twice? Uh, have not. No, me neither. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) It sort of speaks to it, you know, uh, I, uh, the other day I nearly did. I like it. I, I, I really like uh, Crimson Dynamo in it. I really liked that character. Yeah. I like to see him in yeah, more yeah. stuff, actually. I think that, uh, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to uh, an Armor War adaptation, you know, mm-hmm. especially now that they're talking yeah. about uh, the next. Maybe picking that up. Yeah. And then the next Iron Man, the the, the girl, possibly. Ah, Riri Williams, yeah. Ironheart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So we've got uh, six more episodes. Well, technically, we've got five more episodes of What If. The the fourth episode came out this week. So uh, again, how this is going to work? We're gonna we're gonna bank it up. So we're gonna wait until we have three more, and we're gonna do those all together, and then uh, we'll do a final three as a wrap up, and that will conclude our So What series, yeah. which is our answer to the question of What If. There's a there's a gap coming, right? Yeah. So we have four. Five will be out by Wednesday Wednesday but yeah. 6 won't be out until the following, the following week so Wednesday, we, yeah. on our regular recording slot which is Saturday we've got two we're going to have a gap yeah i i have a proposal then yeah, stay sure, in the sure. theme yeah and also pull from our past themes why don't we next saturday get together for an hour and a half and have a fantasy what if star wars episode oh you know what that's been a f- few- that's been a fabulous idea yeah yeah what if we each come up with one or two or three things that we carry, you know, like create your own what if episode yep, based yep. on Star Wars. And we'll bring that to our uh, sort of a fan review of our own. Cool. Does yeah, that sound? Yeah. I would definitely be down for that. Yeah, I'm down for that. I will do that. Oh, cool. I don't Wicked. know if I'll get two or three. I'll definitely get one. Yeah. I, I have we can... I have one really strong one already. Yeah, me too. I don't want to talk. About well, it. I yeah. want to. We'll confer after we're done recording because I don't want to. Awesome. I don't want to steal anybody's yeah. thunder. All right. Any more for any more? I've got no more. Guys, I hope you're enjoying the show. I hope you're enjoying What If. I hope you're enjoying our show. Um, as always, we love doing what we do. We do it for no other reason than we love to talk about the things that we, the properties we enjoy. We hope you enjoy them too. We hope that you'll come along for the ride with us. And as I've said many times before, if you like what we're doing, please like and subscribe to all of our channels, our social media, our YouTube channel. And uh, tell your friends about us too. I know that the long form uh, podcast is not for everybody, but, uh, you know, everybody's got to, you know, you know, got to be on the road at some point. So yep. <laughs> take us with you. We're definitely good for the road. And uh, hey, don't be shy. Reach out. Yeah. Yeah. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know where you want us to go next. Because again, the, we could like, 
we could shoot in the dark and just pick random properties, which we are going to do. But if there's something you guys want to see specifically, um, you could be on the show. Yeah, absolutely. you guys could be on our show. If you're yeah. an expert at something, we're not. We're totally willing to listen absolutely. to an expert on something that we're not experts in because we're fans of experts that are fans of things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that's it for me. I don't think I, I've got anything left. Until next time, guys, I guess. Pithy uh, extra. Oh, I don't even have a pithy. I don't have a pithy outro this week. Oh. <laughs> so what? Uh, so what? <laughs> All right, guys, that's it. Bye for now. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Fandom Power. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms. Fandom Power is a Sawcast production. Have you ever wanted to start a podcast, but you didn't know where to begin? Maybe you'd like to try podcasting without having to invest in any recording equipment. Do you have an idea for a show, but you're not sure how to develop it? Let Sawcast Productions take care of all of that so you can focus on what it is you want to say. Sawcast Productions offers podcasting solutions ranging from recording and basic editing to fully produced episodes complete with all the audio embellishments of a broadcast quality show. And when your show is ready, Sawcast Productions can distribute it too. Contact us online today. So, what do you want to say? <laughs>